Welcome to another episode of the Luke Humphrey Running Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Humphrey, and our mission is to help you maximize your training through a blend of science and practicability. So let's get going. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is Luke Humphrey with LukeHumphreyRunning.com, and today I'm just going to jump right into it. We're going to talk about training by feel and what that means and where that fits in terms of our training philosophy. So uh, just because we get we talk about training by pace so much that where does training by feel actually come into play here? And I think it is important because I think ultimately they are um, definitely in a position to cohabitate together. So let's just jump right into it. All right, so it's interesting how our experiences shape our philosophy over time. So my earliest example was when I started running cross country in high school, and this would have been back in 1995. But I ran, so I ran track in junior high, seventh and eighth grade, but I, I wasn't bothered with cross country. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have time for that business, you know what I mean? But my coach, Mike Knoll, was very pace oriented with an emphasis on negative splits. And since that was really my first experience, that's how I thought it was supposed to be. I still do think it's supposed to be that way. But the point is the kids that ran the middle in the middle school were basically taught and were different coaches too. So the two different philosophies. So they seventh and eighth grade did this philosophy of really, they were basically said, you know, you run as hard as you can and you blast it off and you just see how well you can hold on. And that didn't really translate when they got into high school because, well, they were able to get away with it in seventh and eighth grade because you're only running uh, a mile and a half, and you double that when you get into high school at 5K. And so, you know, you basically have twice the amount of time and twice the distance to have things not go your way, right? And so they were left struggling, and they were left frustrated because, you know, they spent two years learning one system, and then come into high school and it was a completely uh, different system and it just never really worked out for some of those kids. Um, but, it, and you know how it is. I mean, we've all gone out way too hard before and we recognize that uh, the time you can lose is definitely uh, on an exponential level, right? So even if though you have a mile left to go, uh, you might think you will lose 10 to 15 seconds, but you can find yourself losing uh, 30 seconds, a minute maybe, depending on how <laughs> aggressive you were. But we all know that that is the case. And then if you extrapolate that out from a 5K to a 10K to a half to a full, you know that that's even more dangerous. So, uh, so that's how you know. So that was my first experience. But the, the interesting thing is, that I went then from central montcalm high school to central michigan university and my coach there was very similar in terms of philosophy and then as i moved from college to the professional kevin i would say kevin and keith are definitely in that same boat as well but even though all you know i can i count kevin i always count kevin and keith as one coach they were one group of coaches that i had but they were the same they were essentially the same um, offering and so they all had their different nuances to their approach, but the basis were all very similar. And fortunately, I thrived under those theories 
and have taken the same approach with all of you who listen to me or coached and all of that good stuff, you, you, we, you know how much we stress, you know, pace and negative splits or even pacing and running to, you know, a, a pretty well-defined plan. And so when I was a member of the ODP, I had many, many teammates over the course of the 15 years, lots of different teammates. And they're from lots of different programs. Some are small programs that you'd never heard of to, you know, blue chip programs like Oklahoma State and all those types of things, right? So very different, uh, diverse group of people and different philosophies coming through the program. And so with anything, and especially when you take that many people from that big of a spectrum, some struggled with adapting to this type of philosophy while others did very, very well, you know, and truth be told, I feel like the people who thrived were the people like myself. We were moderately talented, but really had to execute perfectly if we were able to compete at the level that we did. And so in order for that to happen, we had to learn paces by running those paces over and over and over again. Okay, so that's, you know, that's basically my career in a nutshell is I've, you know, you kind of gravitate towards what works. And ultimately, what I was taught in high school uh, allowed me to gravitate towards those philosophies later on. And, and of course, I was successful. So it made it easy to do that where, you know, some people might be successful the other way around or what they feel like is successful and, and, and go that route. But ultimately, those early experiences will definitely shape how we move in the future. And so moving on from there, though, a couple years ago, I made a post on social media or something. I can't 100% remember. Uh, sim- talking about something similar, but obviously in a condensed version. And a prominent runner replied, why not just train them to race? You know, and to be fair, I really don't think that this person was being facetious at all. I genuinely think they were asking as a type of, you know, why wouldn't, why isn't that just, why wasn't that what you would do, right? Because they're in a different situation where they're competing and they just go out to compete and they're always expected to win. And so I thought about that for a long time. And at their level, like I said, at their level, they could train to win a major race. Uh, but I personally was not at that level. And most of the athletes I coach are not at that level. And so many of you are training to beat yourself. You're training to run a certain time, whether it's break 3.30 in the marathon or qualify for Boston or break four hours in the marathon. It's very specific time-oriented issues. When I want to run a PR, I want to break a PR. But it's going to require you to run a certain time. And so for me, it was kind of the same thing. I wanted to run a PR. I wanted to qualify for world teams. I wanted to qualify for Olympic trials. I wanted to, I wanted to break you know, 215 and I wanted to break 214, you know, all those things, like incremental steps towards that. And so for me, the most successful route was being able to know darn well the paces inside and out and then adhere to those paces. So, you know, and I can sense it already just through the airwaves here that, you know, aren't you, you know, people saying, aren't you selling yourself short? And so I thought about that too. And I, I really don't think I am because, and I want, this is what I really want to go over today, is I don't feel like I did because I feel like when the situation did arise, I had the killer instinct and disregarded pace when I was late in a competitive situation. But it was because of knowing where I was at with pace that put me in the situation to begin with. So if I would have disregarded pace early on, 
I would have never been in that situation to have the killer instinct. You know what I mean? So I would have been with those people for a while, and then I probably would have crashed and burned. Whereas knowing myself and knowing the paces that I was capable of allowed me to stay in my range long enough so that if they screwed up, I could take advantage of the situation. And that's that was key for me. Because I, from a talent perspective, I know that I wouldn't be able to just go out and bang heads with a lot of those guys. I had to run a perfect race, and they had to run uh, a tactically – uh, misfortunate race. They had to make mistakes along along the way. And I'm going to give you examples of both of these, both of which were in the training, same training cycle. Uh, and actually, the, that, the segment I'm talking about is in the back of the Hanson's, Marath- Hanson's Half Marathon Method book. Uh, it's this, the segment I ran my half marathon PR. And you can, you can see what I did leading up to both of the races I'm going to tell you about right now. So in 2011, uh, myself and a couple of teammates were in the same training cycle. In our first race of the half part of it, I was looking through this when I uh, was referencing this, and so I actually ran a couple races before, but they were not um, kind of part of the end game here. They were just uh, more in line. Well, one was just a fun run down local race, and the other one was a, uh, a team competition where they just needed me as a, as a body. Um, and so in any case, the first of this race was at the half mar- at half marathon in, in Naples, Florida, and I saw I never heard I have never heard of this race before. I didn't even know it existed, uh, but somehow everyone and their brother was at this race. I don't know. It was just like kind of weird time in January, and there was prize money on the line, and you could go to Naples for a few days. So maybe that was it. But it it wasn't like we were running for a uh, hundred thousand dollar prize purse. I mean, I think I literally was hoping to make like 500 bucks off of this. So, um, but anyway, so it was really, it was still kind of early in our training block and we were training for a pretty fast go at the half marathon. Um, you know, I wanted to break one Oh four, um, and then, you know, and just, and just be in a position to run even faster, say, you know, this was going to be in February, do something fast in, um, uh, June, I was going to run the rock and roll half or rock and roll full marathon in San Diego, which I ultimately ran my PR at. So this was ultimately a setup segment for that. Um, and so w- the gun goes off at this race, and I go, I, I, I thought, well, I'm in pretty good shape. You know, workouts had gone pretty well, uh, and I tried to race with the crew. And there were there were some with that many good people at a race like that. You're going to get people who want to break up the pack, and so then these are very talented runners. And so naively, I thought that I would be able to go out and hang on and compete with these guys at the same game. And you know, I made it through about 10k, and I was fried. You know, it was it was you know if I'm if I was trying to run 450 ish. 450 to 455 pace, you know, we're hitting like high 440s for a lot of that. And at that level, that's a very thin line between getting up to the edge of what you can tolerate and then just going completely past what you can tolerate and suffering the consequences. And I was definitely past that line. And the thing is, I knew I was, but I just was like, well, I can still do this. I can still, I can gut it out and finish. And I, and I didn't. It was second half of the race was terrible. Um, I think I came through 10K and I was probably on 103 flat pace and I think I just looked it up and I was I think I ran 105.45 so I lost you know really like a minute and a half plus uh, over 10k which isn't 
at that level, that's not, I mean, that's not a long time, but it is a lot of time to lose, right? And so it was just, it, was, it did not end well at all. I really felt like I was just running in place probably the last mile or so. And it was, it was very disheartening because it, to me, you know, it was ultimately a wasted opportunity because it was a perfect opportunity to run fast. And if I would have stuck to my paces that I knew I could handle, I would have finished much, much better. I, I, I would have definitely been uh, very close to that 104 point um, a lot earlier than I ended up running it. So it was just a wasted opportunity. And it was one of those things where, like, uh, I, I, knew, I knew much better of myself than what I, I portrayed. So it was not a good situation. Uh, so take that situation and, and say that mid-January and now go to mid-February. It's about four weeks later four more weeks of workouts, uh, come back around. I'm, again, I'm still feeling really pretty good. I feel solid. But knowing what happened a month before, I lowered my expectations. And it was a race where there wasn't 30 guys running faster than me. There was a couple and then a couple of teammates. So it was a much different situation, and it was a much easier situation to go in there with lower expectations. Um, and so – I went in, and I, I, I had made a decision not to have any intention to race the leaders. I had two teammates this time as well, different teammates, and they were trying to qualify for the Olympic trials for the marathon, and uh, you could do it, you can do it with a half marathon. And so our, I originally was like, okay, well, I'm going to help my guys out uh, and just get make sure that they're under the, the, the marathon standard first. And, and we'll just see what happens. So there was no intention to go out with the leaders. It didn't matter what pace they were going to go out. We were just going to go out. It ours was like, you know, basically try to run 4.55 to 5-minute pace, which was a pace we all felt, felt pretty pretty comfortable with. So gun goes off. We settle into the pace right away. It's myself and the two other guys. I'm kind of just doing the work for them for a couple miles. It felt very comfortable. Um, but we were dialed in. We were dialed in right away. I think our first mile was just a little over 5 minutes. And then we settled right into that. 457 to you know five minute pace for the next couple miles but we hit four miles and what had happened was the leaders jumped out right away and they went out really hard they were a good 20 seconds ahead of us at the mile a good a good 30 seconds at three miles 40 seconds ahead of us at four miles but then they just stayed there then you realize well they're running the same pace that we're running right now and you know the two guys i was running with felt they were good. They were working together. They didn't necessarily need me. And so I, I'm dialed in, right? And I'm looking at these guys and, you know, say they're 40, 45 seconds ahead of me. And I know what I'm at for paces. And I, and I didn't go over my threshold. I'm at a point where I know I can push. And so I did. I started dialing it in just a little bit. So my 457s came into 455s, 453s. And then by seven or eight miles, I'm hitting 450s. I'm hitting 448 to 450. I hit 10 miles, and I remember looking at the clock, and it said 4835. I'm like, geez, that's a PR by like a minute for 10 miles for me. Um, huge PR. But And so you're at a point at that race at 10 miles, you have 5K left to go, and you have a really critical point. And so I'm having this conversation in my head, and it seems like forever talking about it, but it's literally like a five-second conversation. And it's one of those critical junctions in a race where you're like, okay, if I go for it, am I going to have enough gas in the tank? Or if I stay where I'm at now, am I going to have a left ro enough road left to catch those guys? And so that's the big decision you have to make. But honestly, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, 
at this point I have like 15 minutes left to run. Can I hammer for 15 minutes? And that's kind of how I justify it. I can, I'm like, okay, you can hammer for 15 minutes. In reality, is it, you know, I might have been only being able to handle hammer for 10, 12 minutes, but that last three minutes I can see what I've got left in the tank. And who knows what, who knows what happens if you catch those guys, uh, you get a shot of adrenaline and off you go again. And that's exactly what happened. I ended up catching those guys um, by like 11 or so. And it was two two guys, and the one drops off pretty quick. And it's just myself and uh, the guy, Joseph Fat Boy, um, duking it out maybe the last, say the last two miles. We, we hit the last mile, and we're just kind of just like, okay, who's going to make the first move? And then it turned into kind of a, uh, a little bit of a tactical. But we were, I mean, we were rolling at that point. Um, and so I knew I'd made the right decision. I could have maybe even went a little sooner, but, uh, at that point I, I turned in from, okay, I'm trying to run a certain time to now I'm racing this guy next to me. Right. But I was able to do that because I set myself up with the first two thirds of that race. And, and I did it, I did it in a position where I knew I was going to be able to go strong, but ultimately, uh, we, we duked it out and, came down to a sprint the last, you know, six, 800 meters. Uh, he got me right at the line, but, uh, you know, it wasn't a matter of me giving up. I mean, the guy is an, was an NCAA champ like two years before that. Uh, so it wasn't like I let him have it. It's just, he out sprinted me. Right. And it was, I think he beat me by a second, right about a second. Uh, but at the end I got a, a new PR one Oh three fifty eight, which is uh four fifty four per mile. So, um, right. What we wanted to do, um, and it was, it was a t- totally different race. So like, that's the thing, like two races, four weeks apart, two totally dr- dramatically different tactical styles with two completely different results, you know, and in the first one, I didn't adhere to how I knew I could run well. And I didn't adhere to what I knew I was capable of. I tried to extend that and I paid the price for it. The second time, I knew what I could do. I adhered to it, and I set myself up in a situation where I could actually compete at the end of the race and duke it out for the win. And so that doesn't matter in my situation, trying to end up winning a race with a guy or whether it's you trying to beat the clock, trying to run a a Boston qualifier. It's the same type of situation. You cannot be in the position to fight at the end if you've been too aggressive and did not adhere to your paces early on and the, the thing is you have to know what those paces feel like and that's the whole point of this is that it's got to be there's got to be that balance there and so i know what you're thinking like i just read that and to me you know i could see people saying like well you're you're making the case for training by feel more than training by pace but i i totally disagree because i really feel like because i knew my paces inside it out it's just like the gambler says you know you got no one to hold them no one to fold them i thought about singing this out Get your head. You got no one to walk away. You got no one to run, baby. But that's the thing. Like I, I knew, I knew where I was at, right? And I, and I was, I was, I was involved in the situation rather than running with abandonment, right? And so I, I didn't put myself in a situation I wasn't going to be able to recover from. All right. So now the the reason that. Is that you know? There's there's some things here, and, and whatever data you use, say it's heart rate, pace, power. What are you really measuring? You're measuring an intensity level, or how hard something is. And so I prefer pace because it's what I've always used. And at the end of the day, many of you are training to run a certain time, 
So pace is what you'll need to be able to run to cover a certain distance in a, at a certain time, right? So like if you have to run 325 in the marathon to qualify for Boston, then you need to know what 325 pace is. So you can track your heart rate and your power and all that stuff as much as you want. But at the end of the day, you have to be able to run that pace for a certain distance. And so we've got to know what that is. And that, so that's not a, that's not a, um, a, a dig at those other two things, but you've got to keep everything in perspective is if that's allowing you to recover better or, you know, keep your efforts in a same, at a, at a decent intensity, then that's one thing, but it's, it doesn't necessarily have to be your end all be all. You got it. You still got to know what the pace is that you have to run. Right. And so that's why I am so hard on paces and I know it has its pitfalls. I know it's, there's pros and cons to all of them, but you know, that at the end of the day, if you've got to run 325 on a Boston course, then you've got to run 325, right? And you got to know what that feels like. All right, so I don't want to get too far. Into, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too much. So, But the point is here that we put a lot of emphasis on data, and we, we rely on the data, but we don't internalize how that effort feels. We get so wrapped up in hitting the splits that so many of us just say, well, I hit that pace, I'm good for the marathon, or the opposite, I can't hit that pace on my tempo run, or my heart rate was too high, or this or that, and so there's no chance I'm going to be able to run that qualifier, when in reality is you might definitely be able to hit that qualifier. Um, but we get into a situation where we are trusting what the data says over what our body's telling us to, or not even that, but more just like we're not using them in sync. We're not correlating effort to the data in knowing and learning how those efforts are feeling to run those paces. And that's really the, the big key here. Um, so the point is that running paces and sticking to the paces lets you internalize how those paces feel over an array of circumstances. Like marathon pace is gonna feel vastly different on a 60 degree fall day than an 80 degree summer day, right? You know, that a 10 mile tempo is gonna probably feel different at those two points of the, of the stage, right? So we've got to know what those paces feel like over a different type of situations because we're gonna be racing in all types of situations. But, uh, but for me, I've been doing it for decades. And so I know pretty close without the help of a watch if I'm over the target. And I'm not saying if I've got to run six minute paces that I'm at six flat, 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 flat across the board. I might be 605, I might be 555. There's always a standard of deviation there, but it's not like if my goal pace is six minutes, I'm not running 620, I'm not running 520. You know, that, that window or that standard of deviation is greatly narrowed down. And if, I, and if I'm at that point, it opens up a ton of freedom for me because you don't have to just be 100% reliant on the watch because you can, you'll know if you're close and then you can relax and you can focus on what you really should be focusing on and not just, oh, is my watch going to beep? I better keep looking. I better keep looking at my watch. And then you're distracted and you're not, you're not focused on the task, right? And that's a huge thing that I see with a lot of runners. All right. So I kind of lost my place here, but, uh, uh, I learned how long I could extend an effort. Oh, that's is a big thing too. I've learned how long I can extend an effort for before I was going to pay the price, and I could make better calculations on what moves to cover. If somebody makes a move, am I going to go with it? If my training buddy says, "Hey, man, I'm feeling good. I'm going to go," and you're at 10 miles of a marathon, you're like, mm, you know, I think I'm going to sit this one out. I'll see you at mile 18, and we'll 
we'll recalibrate, right? But you know, you can you can know how big of a move you can cover, how what move you need to let go when you are in a position to catch people late stages in the race. You know how long you you know a lot more how long you can push that out from. Uh, but you can just make better decisions on race day. And then the biggest thing too is you'll catch yourself earlier from doing things that are going to get you into trouble if you're listening, right? And that's crucial because um, there's been a lot of times I've seen where people are in tremendous shape. They just make bad decisions because they didn't adhere to paces early on and they got overzealous and they thought today's going to be the day and it could have been but it was messed up early on. And so that's, that's a big one. Um, the thing is too, like uh, you, oh, so with that too, so people might make that big move and they might say, well, I feel really good, even though I'm 30 seconds a mile faster than I'm supposed to be. And once in a while you're gonna get lucky, but a lot of times it's throwing eggs against the wall, right? You're just gonna crack under the pressure. And that's not, we want to minimize, want to minimize our potential for damage, right? We want to, we want to, if we're only racing a marathon once every six months or once every four months, and we're putting a tremendous amount of sacrifice into that, and we're putting a tremendous amount of pressure on family situations, or we're taking, sacrificing things out of our normal schedule to train as hard as we are, don't you want to set yourself up for the best chance of success? And I think most of you do. Um, so you really, it's another thing. You just have to really, you know, level the things that you can, are going to potentially cause the most damage. You have to really be careful there. Um, all right. So last couple of things I want to mention is one that I'm aware, fully aware that there is a time to really push a workout. And this, and this isn't saying that no workout, you got to, you just got to keep the reins pulled in that you should just be able to uh, just no matter what, don't push too hard. And I say that because you want to take your, you want to also learn how to take yourself to the well a little bit. And that, and that honestly is just as informative as um, being able to control the pace. But you can also learn by pushing the envelope a little bit on, on some workouts, not every workout, not every workout has to be your best workout. And so for us, it was always the simulator or the 16.2 miles at marathon pace. That was a, that was a workout where, uh, the first, I would say 10 to 13 miles were really at marathon pace as much as we possibly could. And then if you really felt good, then push that last 5k or so and really see what you could do. Um, but I've also seen a lot of people use a simulator as a race and they end up not running nearly as well on race days. But so that workout would be a one that would really kind of dig the, dig into the well a little bit. And the second one would be the two by six mile and it would be the second six mile. So the first six mile would be as controlled as possible. And then the six mile, that was when you could get a little aggressive, but it was one of those things where you had that 10 minute jog in between and the first mile or two, you were just like, okay, let me be on pace. Let me just be on pace because you did not feel good at all. And so you would, but then you would get into that rhythm and then you'd get the adrenaline like, okay, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. And you're almost in that race type of situation. 
and it wouldn't just be all out the last three or four miles, but it would definitely be, you know, what I'd say controlled aggression a little bit. And you would definitely push the pace a little bit, you know. And honestly, Kevin and Keith, you know, they were hard on us for a lot of the workouts because it would be easy for you get a you get as many people uh, in a workout that are that good. It can get out of, it can get out of control, right? Uh, egos, you know, I'm a better runner, whatever the case is, and those things can you know, and they're highly competitive people, and it can get out of control. So a lot of that was nipped in the bud pretty quick, but workouts like this then it was like all right let's see what let's see what the boys can do let's see what the ladies can do let's see what they got you know and you know and it was within reason if somebody was really crazy with it they would be like what in the world but sometimes they just let them go too because it's like sometimes you got to learn that lesson the hard way right you've got to make that mistake and hopefully you only make it once and you can make it now and avoid it when it really counts in the race and so that's the thing all right but the problem is because uh, the thing is to you like you can only go to the well a few times before the bucket comes up dry, right? Like if you go to the well every single time, that's not going to last long, right? You're going to get burnt out. You're going to end up getting hurt. Your your segments are not going to end the way you want them to. So so save it for very special things because both can go both can be very beneficial to training, but learning how to control yourself first is is key right and so that's that's the big that's the big one um so the second thing is that i like the other data like heart rate and power but i'm still not convinced that they should be your training guidance and what i mean by that is should you um use your in-run heart rate to determine what your pace is and not 100 percent. not same thing with power i'm not 100 percent sold on it i'm i'm sure it's great at measuring intensities, and I know people love it, but for me, that type of data is better to look at retrospectively. Let's look at it after the workout. Let's look at it in trend form. How how are these workout? How this power look on this workout compared to the same workout six weeks later? How is my heart rate trending? What's my heart rate variability? What are those things doing? Those are, that's going to give you more useful information to me than looking at your watch and taking that data in real time. And so that's that's key. So that's so I don't I don't care. A lot of my athletes look at that data, but they're also looking at pace. And then we're taking the whole picture and looking at the whole picture. I like it better. Uh, I just like it better as data that you can look back on and reflect on and where you can see trends and then aid in the adjustments. And then you can see, okay, maybe I'm not adapting very well. Maybe I'm not ready for X, Y, or Z. It's just how I am. I know you all have your strong, own strong feelings, and we'll just, we'll just leave it at that. But ultimately, though, as a coach, I want to get you as an athlete to be at this place in the training where, where allowing the pace to be dictated by the effort and not the other way around. And so... Easy runs are a perfect example of this. So let's say your easy range is eight minutes to 9.30 pace per mile. Yesterday you did a hard workout, you got a, you didn't have very good sleep, you're stressed out from a project due at work, It's you know there's things going on. And so in an ideal situation, you'd run an easy effort, and if that landed at 9, 9.15 per mile, so be it. You're still in the range, you're good to go, you got the mission accomplished. But where I see so many of you is that you see that range of 8 to 9.30 
and you're going to force the issue to be closer to the eight, even though the effort doesn't feel easy anymore. You know what I mean? You're allowing the pace to dictate the effort at that point. You're not allowing your effort to dictate the pace. And so when you get the effort to dictate the pace and you're hitting your targets, you're in a much better situation. And that's going to, that's going to, where you're really going to learn how to correlate those feelings. And you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to know at any point, like, okay, am I pretty close? And without monitoring your data all the time, because you've got to a point where the effort's going to correlate to the pace. And so then that's just going to create a lot of freedom for you. And you're not going to have to listen to a watch beep. You're not going to have to listen to, uh, you're not going to look at a watch every, every, 30 seconds which i've seen so many people do um and then adjust like oh my gosh my or my heart rate's 10 beats too high and adjust adjust your pace right away when you know you might have been running slightly uphill and you didn't really recognize it you know something like that so you know there's a lot of there's a lot to that all right so how do we get to this point and so what i i want to teach new runners to learn control by strictly adhering to paces so and this is where i'm really hard on the paces especially early in a training cycle when things are easier. And this means no cheating down your paces, especially on easy runs, Um, really important on workouts. The temptation is there, but resist. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Uh, This does mean that you have to pay, this is where you have to pay close attention to the data, especially the pace. This is where you should be keeping track of these things and looking at these things, but then using that data and also internalizing how that feels. Okay, I'm running a marathon tempo. I'm doing, say, four times a mile at marathon pace. How does this marathon pace feel? Does it feel really hard? How is my breathing? How does my form react? How does my form react when I get tired? How does the effort change as I get tired? Those are the things you've got to pay attention to, and then you can correlate it with the data and have a much bigger picture of where you're really at with things. Because if you're hitting paces, but you're, you're, you're sending yourself into the depths of a well you can't get, dig yourself out of, then it doesn't matter hitting those paces. You're not gonna, that's not going to end well on race day. I can promise you that if you even make it to race day. You know? So that's really, we can t- take those things and learn how to use them all together to see the big picture. All right, so then over time, you begin to know if you're creeping paces, if you're creeping paces down, like you know if you're running faster, that it's then that's a conscious effort to run faster, not because right said Fred is blasting your ear pods, right, and you're just pumped out of your mind, and that's not the situation. You are making the effort to run faster. And as you are more experienced, you can shift the reliance on the technology to reliance on your effort, because this is the kicker. Your paces still stay there where they're supposed to be because you've got everything in alignment now. And so if you can get to that point, then that's where you can really make the breakthroughs in overall pacing and I think being more competitive because you'll be able to take much better, you'll be able to make much better race decisions and have the confidence in yourself because you know that you can, you're at the right pace, you're not overdoing it, and you're going to be able to make, you're going to have a clear head, you're going to be able to make the best decisions for you in your race. So is this clear as mud? Possibly. Learn your paces by internalizing effort. That's the end result of that. And over time, you put less reliance on the technology measuring, measuring the intensity and putting in the best computer ever made. And that's your brain. So that's why I'm hard on paces. But the whole idea of 
really knowing your paces is it so you can know the effort that's going into those paces and then once you know that in a race situation you're going to make better decisions and during training you're not going to allow yourself to go so far into the into the hole that you can't dig yourself back out of and so overall it's those little things that's going to help you drastically elevate your running game so all right so that's it for today uh, any questions, you know how to get a hold of us. Uh, check us out, LukeHumphreyRunning.com. Training plans, free first free day, first 15 days are free with coaching, just LukeHumphreyRunning.com slash coaching. Uh, and you want to try one of our training plans, just go to LukeHumphreyRunning.com slash training plans and uh, over 200 different training plans for any distance. And as always, we'll continue another discussion next week. Uh, I'll be happy to take any suggestions, answer any questions. Have a great uh, Thanksgiving week, and we'll talk to you all later on. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Luke Humphrey Running Podcast with your host, Luke Humphrey. If you like our show and want to learn more, please visit us at www.lukehumphreyrunning.com for blogs, podcasts, coaching, and training options. See you next time.